The Chicago Bears preseason win over the Tennessee Titans gave us an extended look at the two rookie defensive tackles, Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens, as well as the Bears offensive line depth. And with both groups, we saw some good and some bad as expected. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And on the show today, I want to go through the trenches from the Bears' preseason win over the Titans, starting with the two rookie defensive tackles who I was most eager to really kind of see and go back through a little bit more slowly, check the All-22 film, see the trench angles a little bit more, and make sure that we get a better understanding of where they are in their development and in their progress, where I think we're seeing some positive signs, but also, you know, still some much-needed work to be done for those two. I also want to check in on the Bears offensive line depth, a spot that I think we had not necessarily some concerns about, but maybe just some question marks about entering the preseason. And I think we got some answers. And I think I, w- I came away more encouraged by that group than I thought I would have on paper. And then I want to wrap up with the guy who's kind of been the forgotten guy of the preseason right now, Kendall Vildor who I think is largely in the shadow of Travis Gibson's redemption and kind of going back through and checking tabs on Kendall Vildor and why things are not looking great for his Chicago Bears future. But let's start with where the future really is with these young defensive tackles. A second-round pick and a third-round pick, both of like, what, 10 picks apart with Jervon Dexter and Zach Pickens. Those guys we knew were coming in as raw defensive line prospects, especially Jervon Dexter, a little bit more unrefined, but perhaps, you know, in exchange for greater physical tools, right? That you could take him with what he's got physically that you can't teach. And then you can teach him all the other stuff that he needs to be taught, but is a little bit easier to control as a coach. Whereas Pickens is the guy who is not as freakish athletic, although he is still very athletic for his size, but does come in a little bit more pro ready comparatively and a little bit more refined in some ways, but in other ways, definitely still learning and getting better. And I was curious to see how they would perform in this game, how quickly they would show progress and development. And I think at this point, you know, we knew going into the season that slow and steady was going to be the pathway here. And it, you know, there were flashes against the Titans, but also I think sticking it, 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 I don't want to say like, it's like trying to avoid confirmation bias, but I think it, it's on the path that we expected, right? Like for Javon Dexter in particular, the big issue with him right now is getting out of his stance and really playing with better pad level, right? When he, when he was at Florida, he needed to play a lot more upright and two gap a bit more and kind of, you're, you're trying to sort of play both sides and your directive isn't as much trying to get 
upfield and penetrate into the backfield. It's more about awareness and, and space and reading a play. But the Bears are asking him to attack, get get up, get upfield, get after the quarterback or get after the ball carrier and just penetrate and disrupt. But he still is struggling to like get out of his stance low and to have good leverage when trying to rush opposing offensive linemen. And that, that's what he needs to work on. And that clearly looked to be his weakness in this game. Like, like there were times like he's got really strong, aggressive hands. Like he's going to get your, uh, the offensive lineman's hands out of his way and, you know, really try and create some of that, like sort of that, like separation that, that in that to disengage from the opposing rusher, but like, or the, the opposing blocker, but he just ends up getting so high up, you know, up, up his pad level to where he can't then use the massive amount of strength he has in his lower body to properly generate power and push back opposing offensive linemen nearly as consistently as you'd like him to. Cause he just gets so high that guys can kind of get under him and anchor him and hold him up a little bit. And then he can go, he can't get anywhere. And even, even his strong hands aren't able to free himself up there. Cause he can't really do much with it as a result. And if he can just stay a little bit lower and really take the physical traits that he has and utilize them properly to his advantage, you can really see why the potential is there, why the Bears drafted him so high and why his teammates see that in him and are excited about what he can eventually do at some point, but it's just not quite there yet. Whereas I think Pickens, I mean, you saw him get a sack in this game on a stunt with, with Dominic Robinson on the right side. He, I think, has better pad level and is able to utilize his power a bit more. We saw more often he was able to drive guards and centers, they collapsing the top of the pocket where he's not fully getting around the blocker and running to the quarterback, but just pushing that front of the pocket backwards a little bit to condense the amount of space quarterbacks had. I was impressed by that, but there were too many times when it felt to me like he was struggling to do that disengage, right? To, to kind of separate himself from the blocker and then break free to make the play. Like too often he could, he could move the lineman, but not really get away from the lineman, which was like good, but you know, there's another, there's another step forward there. He did it occasionally, right? It's all about consistency and, and how often you're able to do these things. But I think for him, it's about refining some of that hand usage even a little bit more and being able to, you know, being able to take that next step in terms of being able to finish these plays. And again, this is the first preseason game for these guys. So we're not going into this thinking, oh, they're going to be finished products ready to go right away. But it was a progress report of like, okay, OTA's mini camp, training camp with the coaching staff. You know, how, how fast have they been able to learn this? How fast have they been able to pick up this? And is will this be a sign of what they're going to do in the regular season? And I think so far, that's kind of what it feels like, right? That Dexter is still going to be a work in progress. There's occasional some nice plays there when it does all come together. But for the most part, he's still got to work on that pad level and, and refining the technique and getting out of his stance. And I think a guy like Dexter, or the, a guy like Pickens, then he's going to have a couple flash plays like the sack that he had there where the technique is going to be right, but he's still going to need to clean some things up and, and build some more consistency off of that. And that's just fine. I mean, we saw the Bears run a lot of different stunts with those two guys throughout the game, stunt after stunt after stunt, it felt like. And those were not sharp, clean, executed either. A lot of like long looping paths and could be a little bit crisper that I think can speed up that process to get home a little bit more quickly too. Like there's a lot of learning and growing happening with that group. But certainly I think it confirmed a lot of what we were expecting 
from those guys, but showing signs of progress and growth along the way. I, I think that's kind of checking the box for Dexter and Pickens. In addition to a guy like Travis Gibson having a big game on the edge, Terrell Lewis, we talked about those guys yesterday. We have an all-22 film breakdown of Travis Gibson over in the Lockdown Bears subtext group. Join subtext.com slash Lockdown Bears to subscribe to that group, get access to all the all-22 film that we upload on there, plus the all-22 film breakdowns, data and charting for Bears players to join subtext.com slash locked on bears. But I also want to turn our attention to the other side of the trenches and look at this offensive line, not so much the starters who only saw for like seven plays, but the backups that ultimately could get called into action this season. And I was pleasantly surprised with most of the group and, you know, kind of have some good takeaways on pretty much the main five guys that we saw next on locked on bears, the locked on bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. They've teamed up with our friend Vinny Iyer, the host of Locked On Fantasy Football, to bring you some of the best fantasy football picks each week all season long. So whether it's this time of year when you're preparing for the draft or during the season when you're scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So with draft prep underway for the upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. If you're looking for a safe quarterback to take as a starter late in your fantasy draft, maybe you wait on the position early on and load up at running back, receiver, and tight end, then you can ride with Seattle Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith, who was the biggest surprise fantasy quarterback in 2022, taking over for Russell Wilson. Smith took advantage of the great system under Shane Waldron, and really it was a perfect fit with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and now they add... Ohio State wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba to that offense, still in the same Shane Waldron offensive system. It is an established option for a solid fantasy quarterback in Geno Smith. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows that a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And the same thing is true for your vehicle. With eBay's guaranteed fit, over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle are right at your fingertips. You can make sure your ride is running smoothly at all time with air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay Motors guaranteed fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up. Because now you'll always know you'll be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. So for the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for that green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Chicago Bears starting offensive line minus Nate Davis, who didn't play, was on the field for about seven snaps. And then actually Jatiri Carter then, who filled in for Nate Davis at right guard, stayed in the game with the second team offensive line and played a bit longer. But, you know, your your Darnell Wright, your Braxton Jones, your Cody Whitehair, and your Tevin Jenkins, they played seven snaps. And we pretty much saw those snaps. We you know Darnell Wright missed an assignment on a running play. Uh, otherwise was was pretty much fine. Braxton Jones was fine. You know, Tevin Jenkins and Cody Whitehair made some nice blocks in the running game for sure. Like, starting offensive line was fine, but small sample size, seven snaps. But we saw a lot of then the number two offensive line that was mostly from left to right. Larry Borum at left tackle, Alex Leatherwood at left guard, uh, Doug Kramer at center, 
and then Jatiri Carter at right guard, and then Aviante Collins, the free agent, over there at right tackle. And so that was the group for a good chunk of this game, of this Bears offense, mostly, you know, with with P.J. Walker and then a little bit of Nathan Peterman. But those guys played anywhere between 39 and 41 snaps. They they ended up taking Carter out a couple plays early and got Dieter Eisenman in there. And I think they took Aviante Carter. Collins missed a snap, I think. At, at right tackle and Borum ended up playing one snap over at left tackle. Kellen Deesh came in. A couple of the other third string guys, Gabriel Hui and, and Josh Lugg, got some snaps in there. Robert Haskins as well. But this this second team offensive line in particular are guys that if the Bears have an injury on the offensive line, like they did in this game where they have Jatiri Carter in, in the large starting lineup, you have to often rely on backup offensive linemen playing key snaps during the season. It's just a reality that not all five offensive linemen are going to play all 17 games. And so it's important to feel like you got some trust in those guys. And and keep in mind, too, that as far as injuries go, no Lucas Patrick in this game, who would have been the number two center in, in that equation. And of course, you know, so you don't have the full offensive line depth there. But across the board, like I was pleasantly surprised with how well that backup offensive line played. Not not universally that everyone was perfect by any means, but like, you know, Larry Borum looked like Larry Borum, like there are a couple of plays where, you know, inconsistency here and there, but for the most part, you know what he is. He's not the most athletic tackle, but he can stay in front of guys. He's got pretty good hands, not great hands. Like he's an average offensive tackle who can play both spots and occasionally he's going to miss his assignment here or there, but like regular, regular amounts of up and down from, from a backup offensive tackle there. Uh, the other backup tackle though, Aviante Collins, I'm not even sure I'm saying his first name right, but that's how it's spelled. He, he was brought in as a free agent, like right at the beginning of training camp. He's played guard and tackle before, mostly for the Dallas Cowboys. For me, he had a little trouble staying in front of guys, particularly in, in pass protection. Like, the feet need to keep moving. He, he lunged a couple of times and made it, had just a couple of bad misses in there that I, I wondered if he could come in and be a, a valuable, potential, versatile backup that could play guard and tackle. And certainly one preseason game does not indicate whether he's going to make or miss this 53-man roster, but it was not super strong in that area for him, particularly, I think, uh, when it came to pass protection, he was struggling to stay in front of guys in the running game. You know, if he's trying to drive a guy down the line of scrimmage on his own block or, or trying to down block, like he can latch on and take you for a ride. He was fine in, in the running game for sure. The whole backup offensive line was pretty darn solid in the running game. They were able to move guys and it gave, you know, guys like Roshan Johnson and Travis Homer some room to run back there. I thought the, the blocking from the backup offensive line in the running game was solid. The backup tight ends and wide receivers single-handedly derailed the running game a few different times. That was, that was I think, frustrating. I, th- I think uh, the tight end, Steven Carlson, I don't know if it's Stefan or Steven Carlson, uh, Jared Pinckney, those two guys both missed a handful of blocks in the running game that ended up blowing up running plays that the offensive line had really cleared a lot of space for, but the back couldn't get out of the backfield because the tight end gave up one side or the, or the other tight end gave up the other side. Or, and sometimes they were lined up at fullback and didn't get great fullback blocking from the backup fullback, Robert Burns, as well. Not great. And the wide receiver was on the outside, too. There were a couple plays when a run tried to bounce out there. You know, Tyler Scott wasn't doing great as a receiver blocking out there. And, you know, the likes of Valus Jones and everybody else was hit, hit and miss there. But the offensive line run blocking was generally was generally pretty good there. I, I was, I'd say Alex Leatherwood at times, you know, his hands are just really still a work in progress. You know, try, he moves really well and does a good job of, of, like, getting where he needs to go and staying in front of guys. Like, the feet are absolutely the strength there in the running game. And in the pass protection a little bit too. Like he can move and he can get there, but 
you know, the hands are just kind of all over the place. Guys are able to get their hands inside of him a bit more, and he can't quite kind of keep himself clean. And then, of course, like then sustain a block in the running game became a bit of a challenge. And he had a there was a screen pass that they tried to set up. I can't remember if it was Roshan Johnson or Travis Homer. I can picture the zero on the jersey, but I don't remember if it was twenty or thirty on the back of my on the top of my head. But where Alex Leatherwood was trying to get out in front and make a block and missed the block, and the screen pass was brought down for a tackle for a loss in the backfield, and that was just. You know, Leatherwood is still, I think, a work in progress and not a guy who I, I'm, I'm not seeing him take that like big, big step forward, making a ton of progress there. But you still feel like with the way that Jatiri Carter played so well on that offensive line, we talked about him on yesterday's podcast. You feel like between those two guys, you have a decent backup guard there in Carter and Patrick can play guard, too. And maybe Collins can play guard as well. And Borum even played guard last season. So, like, you know, Borum played good enough and Jatiri Carter played good enough. I thought Doug Kramer, who is you know third string center behind Patrick and Whitehair, but got the, the bump up because Patrick wasn't playing in this game. I was impressed with Doug Kramer. I thought really solid, really consistent. You know, maybe nothing like over the top special, but like that's it's offensive line play. Like that's not, you know, you you're not usually seeing a ton of highlight real blocks from offensive line. But you know, he, he's not super athletic, but he's not slow. And he was able to stay in front of guys just fine and made a couple of nice reach blocks in there. He's not like bulldozing guys and knocking them down and driving them back 15 yards, but was never getting, you know, trucked back into the backfield either. Like he was just pretty solid for, I mean, and he's got, I think, a real shot at making this 53-man roster. If you feel like Lucas Patrick can be a backup guard and maybe Borum can play guard and tackle and you like Kramer enough and you're worried about him not making the practice squad, I think ultimately he probably ends up on the practice squad, but this was a very good first preseason game for him. And I was impressed with, with some of the progress he's been making on this offensive line. Really just some solid play there. And I feel like, again, one preseason game, that's not to get too carried away with guys being really good or guys being really bad, but, you know, checking boxes was Borum and, and Carter for sure. And, and Iceland, I mean, and uh, uh, Doug Kramer as well. Dieter Iceland didn't end up playing much at all. Played a little bit of both guard spots, but wasn't a big part of this backup rotation. I would imagine he's probably on the outside looking in for the 53-man roster there. Maybe a couple concerns about Collins and, and Leatherwood, but still time for that to improve and still time for those guys to keep getting better and, and good athleticism all around from that line. I think I overall gained a little bit of confidence overall in the, in the backup offensive line, or at least the the key players in the backup offensive line that you could feel like there's some some reliability at depth so far after one preseason game, but we'll keep close tabs on them moving forward. I think maybe the biggest storyline from the preseason game that got overlooked you know, the biggest or the most overlooked, not the biggest storyline, but the storyline that received that was overlooked the most and overshadowed really by Travis Gibson was Kendall Vildor, the other guy fourth on the depth chart, the other guy in the I don't know if you call it the doghouse or just in trouble of missing the 53 man roster spot. So I want to check in on him and why he he did not have the day that Travis Gibson did to try and save his roster spot next on Locked on Bears. When the Bears put out their unofficial depth chart last week before the preseason game, the two big surprises, the two big headlines, I guess, if you will, Travis Gibson, fourth on the defensive end depth chart behind everybody. Kendall Vildor, fourth string on the cornerback depth chart behind everybody. And those unofficial depth charts are unofficial. They're not, it's not saying that they're only playing with the fourth stringers, right? I mean, that's not real. That's not actually what it means in practice, and it's not what it meant in the game either. That, you know, we saw Travis Gibson came in essentially as a third string, right? So your starters your starters would have been Walker and Ngakwe. Neither one of them played, so your starters then were 
uh, Rasheem Green and Dominique Robinson. And then when they came off with the starting defense, then your backups in this game were Terrell Lewis and Travis Gibson, and they played the majority of the game for those defensive end spots. Eventually, you know, later on, you saw some of the rest of the defensive ends, like lower on the depth chart guys, the the undrafted free agents like DeAnthony Jones and Jalen Harris. They each played a dozen or so snaps, you know, later in the game, but it was the Gibson and, and Lewis game for sure. Gibson, if Gibson was for, I mean, Gibson was behind Lewis and, and Harris on the on the depth chart, but in the game ahead of them on the depth chart. Kendall Vildor, on the other hand, did not have that statement bounce back game. I thought he played fine, but I think the depth chart demotion for him is a bit more real than the one for Travis Gibson. Because, uh, you know, when Kendall Vildor's first snaps in this game came, and when was the first time he got on the field? Keep in mind, Terrell, Terrell Smith, the, the rookie fifth-round pick who is competing with Tyreek Stevenson to start, did not play in this game. So already you're missing depth on your cornerback depth chart. And still, Kendall Vildor does not come into this game till about 11 minutes to go in the third quarter. He did not play a single snap in the entire first half. You know, Jalen Johnson comes out of the game, and you might think, okay, well, that's probably when Vildor would go in, right? And eventually, you know, Tyreek Stevenson stayed in the game a bit longer than even when the rest of the starters came out. And you might think, okay, Tyreek Stevenson comes out of the game, Jalen Johnson comes out of the game. Kendall Vildor's got to be one of the next guys, right? But no, your next cornerbacks, when once Johnson and Stevenson were out of the game, your cornerbacks in the field, Jalen Jones and Michael Ojemudia. Ojemudia? Ojemudia. The fact is, we don't know his name and can't pronounce his name. And he's getting snaps in these pre, in a preseason game ahead of Kendall Vildor. And that's a really, really bad sign for Kendall Vildor. I thought the snaps he did play in the second half against second and third string Tennessee Titans wide receivers and quarterbacks, he was fine. You know, he stepped up and made a nice tackle for just a short game. I think it was a third down stop. It was like, a, you know, a little check down completion. Came up and made the play. Like, it was a good stop. And he was otherwise, like, reliable in coverage. But like you, you contrast that to Kyler Gordon, who was locked in in the slot. You know, made a couple of nice hits, really instinctive, aggressive, attacking, and shined in a couple of drives for the starting defense. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson, who got beat a couple of times, but also made a really nice tackle for loss on a screen pass. Had a nice pass breakup that could have been intercepted. Like Stevenson had the highs and and some of the lows, but especially some highs there. Vildor never really had any of those kind of like big time highs. Like he was fine. But he didn't look like a guy who was a starting caliber NFL cornerback or, or an NFL starter at cornerback playing against backups. He looked like a backup playing against backups. And the fact that he's behind in a game situation, not just on the unofficial depth chart, but actually functionally behind Michael Ojemudia and Jalen Jones is a very bad sign for Kendall Vildor's ability to make this 53-man roster. Like he is... Very, very third string. Not only is he not competing with Stevenson for the starting job, but he is literally third string. And especially with Terrell Smith out, you'd think like he could have even jumped up ahead of there, but he couldn't jump ahead of Michael Ojemudia. Like no disrespect to Michael Ojemudia, but like he showed up last season in like what week 17, week 18 on waivers from Denver. I believe he came to the, yeah, he joined the Bears in December in week 17. Kendall Vildor has been here for three years. Yes. You know, not the same offensive system, but like Vildor started NFL games and he's not getting on the field before Michael Ojemudia. 
I mean, I get that. Okay, maybe the Bears want to see more from Michael Ojemudia. So you give him the snaps and the playing time ahead of Vildor because you know what Vildor is and you don't know as much what Michael Ojemudia is. But that was not the standard they applied to uh, Travis Gibson. And that's kind of where I buck back, buck against that theory. Because if if you didn't, you know, if the theory is, well, we know this guy, so let's play the other guys ahead of them, then why is Travis Gibson playing over the likes of Jalen Harris and DeAnthony Jones on the defensive end depth chart? Because he's behind both of them on, on the Bears, quote-unquote, unofficial depth chart, just the way that Vildor is behind everybody on the, that. But Vildor was functionally in the game behind them, and Travis Gibson was not. And to me, that's really not a good sign for Kendall Vildor's odds of making this team. Like, I think Vildor, I mean, I think Gibson, his performance went a long way towards trying to save his 53-man roster spot. Vildor is going to need a Gibson-like performance in the next two preseason games to save his Bears 53-man roster spot. I would guess the Bears are going to waive him and another team will add him because of his experience. And, you know, we saw Duke Shelley leave the Bears and go and have a pretty strong season for the Minnesota Vikings last year. You, you might forget, but I think, he'll, like, I think he'll land on an NFL team somewhere, but it doesn't feel like it's going to be the Chicago Bears. And, and one other note on cornerback before we wrap up here, uh, some different guys got looks in the slot. In this preseason game, uh, Josh Blackwell was not available due to injury. So Greg Stroman, who played outside cornerback last year, played the slot, as well as the undrafted rookie for agent uh, Macon Clark ended up playing the slot. I believe he played safety more so in college. So, so a little interesting moving around to pieces on the cornerback depth chart. Still feels like it's Johnson, Stevenson, Gordon are your three starters. Terrell Smith, perhaps your top backup on the outside. Josh Blackwell, your top backup in the slot. And Jalen Jones, your top special teams player. And that leaves Kendall Vildor and Michael Ojemudia and Stroman and Clark out on the 53-man roster as it looks right now. Certainly time for everything to change. More more preseason action, more training camp practices. Injuries could certainly shake things up too. So we'll keep a close eye on what happens with Vildor and the rest of the cornerbacks. We'll keep an eye on the backup offensive line as well as the two rookie defensive tackles. I don't mean to completely ignore Zach Bell, the seventh-round pick as a part of this, or Travis Bell, excuse me, as the seventh-round pick as a part of this conversation. He played like a dozen snaps. Pretty good effort, motor, intensity. Had a couple of nice plays here, but nothing too big to write home. I mean, you know, it was, it was fine. I, I'm not getting too caught up in third string defensive tackle snaps. I still think practice squad is probably where he ends up, but but we'll see. But regardless, we'll keep tabs on all of them for you right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. If one podcast five days a week isn't enough for you. You can get even more Bears analysis and content in the Lockdown Bears subtext group. It's $4.99 a month. It's an SMS text message service that gets you direct access to message me directly. Uh, also gives you access to all the Bears All-22 film from last season and then individual player All-22 film breakdowns that I put together. Join subtext.com slash Bears if you want even more Bears content over there. Otherwise, you can just keep coming back to Lockdown Bears. Make us your first listen each and every day. We love our everydayers that are tuning in five days a week because, you know, when you tune in five days a week, then that means every day you get another opportunity to bear down.